This is Mike C. from North Bend, Washington, and I never listen to I Doubt It with Dollamore. Unless I'm trying to get to sleep. That shit is fucking boring. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is... I Doubt It with Dollamore. Alright everybody, welcome to the show and thank you for joining us. Episode 504 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. And I am he, Jesse Dollamore. And I am joined today by the lovely, the talented... The scholarly, Brittany Page. I always feel, well, I'm going to feel like, well, I kind of feel what? like. <laughs> what, I, is, what the fuck is happening? Well, I had a lot of thoughts. I had a lot of thoughts. I guess. I Get it together, sister. I feel like a douche because I was going to say that. I I think that it's not getting any better. I know what's happening. <laughs> <sighs> Fucking out with it. So, a lot of times when people say something like, "Oh, they aren't covering this a lot," you know, like referring to the media, the media oh, is not covering yeah, this a yeah, lot. Yeah. A lot of times, that is just based on the feed that you have curated for yourself. I, so, for instance, let me give an example for the audience. Okay. Oftentimes, you'll hear. Well, this story isn't being this is being completely ignored by the media, like in a tweet. Yeah, and then I will reply to them with a CNN video, mm-hmm. spending twenty five minutes talking about whatever things being ignored by the media. Right, that kind of a situation. Yeah, it, it's very common. But and I think that it's because we curate our feeds to show us what we want to see but even if we're not doing that algorithms do it for you right yeah yeah. and yeah. so what i was gonna say is that two minutes and 30 seconds later anyway <laughs> is that i think there there hasn't been a lot of coverage of the democratic candidates like period and i i started to kind of check myself that's why it came out all fragmented is that i I think that would be different if I were maybe like following the candidates on social media or yeah, right. something like that. You'd see shit from them, from them. Right. Yeah. But what happened was this week, and honestly, I think it's been this way pretty consistently, that Elizabeth Warren keeps pumping out policy proposals. It is pretty, pretty goddamn great. And... Unlike, uh, by the way, unlike anyone else in the field right now. Yeah, they're not. No one. I don't want to say it because I don't know who is reporting I, it. You I know? agree. No, I, listen, I'm not hot and heavy on her yet. Well, that could be taken multiple different ways. But uh, I'm starting to pick up steam support wise for Elizabeth Warren, if for nothing else. That she's a serious candidate with serious ideas and policy and not just fucking platitudes, you know? Platitudes or basically assuming that it's owed to her based on previous experiences or age. Yeah. 
Yeah. But I, I do want to say that this latest policy proposal is getting coverage, not as much as I think it should be getting, right? It's hard for us to move away from the circus that is constantly yeah. entertaining us <laughs> and stealing our attention. But she, this new proposal is a 7% tax on the largest, most profitable U.S. companies. Yes. The real corporate profits tax. And this would affect... 1200 companies i think it's any company that has that that profits more than 100 million dollars like 100 million or more is what i've read and it would be project the the policy is projected to raise one trillion over a decade and a lot of money in this policy proposal she specifically name checks amazon you'll you'll remember paid zero taxes last year right and under this proposal the company would have paid six hundred and ninety-eight million more. Yeah, they, I think their profit was either eleven or twelve billion dollars last year. They ended up paying zero, and they paid Amazon paid fewer dollars in income tax than I did last year. Not as a percentage, in real American dollars. Mm-hmm. I paid at the end of last year. Amazon. Uh, did not. Yes, and I think you did. You say that it would apply to profits above one hundred million. One hundred million. That's yeah. what I read. Is that what you're reading? That is yeah. correct. Yeah. Just wanted to fact check. Yeah, you. You're you're the one with the the words in front of you. I just I you know I out of my asshole. Well, talking out the asshole. So anyway, that's that's something I think we should probably be discussing more is the policy proposals of the candidates. And I know it's difficult because there are so many of them. And I think a lot of people are kind of in this waiting position of, well, the debates are going to be starting in like two months. Some people are going to be dropping out. We don't really want to dedicate time to them if they're not actually going to be a serious candidate, if they're not actually likely to win. I I understand all of those sentiments that people might be going, feeling like, oh, it's just overwhelming. You know what's what, what what's even more overwhelming or prospectively more overwhelming than that than the prospect of actually looking through all these candidates different policy and who's going to be the best a more daunting um proposition is having a second term for Donald Trump imagine that being what you're facing i think it's important mm-hmm. also i think a conversation needs to be had that that we as democratic voters or at least we as anti-Trump individuals who will vote for whomever to to get rid of a Donald Trump. Um, we need to be demanding policy proposals. We need to be demanding. It's not enough to just talk about how you're the guy for the job and you've lived your whole life for this and I'm in it for the win, man, or whatever. It's not good enough to say, oh, we as Americans, we're better than Donald Trump and talk in these in these like, you know, you got a flag waving behind you and some God bless America music in the background. That's not good enough. We need someone with a fucking head on their shoulders who actually has real world policy that they want to put in place that will sizably marketedly improve the lives of Americans. And Elizabeth Warren seems to be in it to win it and it's a bummer she's not raising the necessary money and doesn't have the requisite support on mass yet well like we said debates starting in about two months yeah yeah so we are excited for that i am excited i'm excited too i'm very excited wow 
Yeah. This is what I sound like when I'm excited. <laughs> this, this is the excited Brittany Page. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. Um, let's let's get to some communications. Mm. How about that? Let's do it. We would love, by the way, if you haven't called into the show, if you haven't written into the show via email. It's pretty disturbing. Pretty disturbing. But yeah. we would love to hear from you. Better late than never, I always say. I guess. Brittany, you know I always say better late than never. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's like there's no need for me to say it. I just fucking say it. Yeah, it's something you say. <laughs> for sure. We'd love to hear from you. 657-464-7609. That is where you can leave a fewer than three minute voicemail. You will be cut off by the Google robot if you try to proceed. The other way you can get in touch with the show is emailing a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Hey, guys. It's your problematic fave, Team Ian. Um, I just wanted to pick up on something that Chassis has been hammering this week, and I think it's been really good and sort of speaks to the the oeuvre of your uh, of your show. And that's his sort of, uh, his very smart and right critique of, uh, people getting fake mad at Elon Omar for, uh, for saying that Stephen Miller is a white supremacist and saying that this is more proof of her anti-Semitism. And, and like, if you can't say that Stephen Miller is a white supremacist, then like, words don't mean anything. Like, this shows that, like, not all, but in my opinion, this shows that most of her critics are non, they're not serious and should not be taken seriously, and they're just, they're just cynics. Um, that's all, but, but yeah, I just want to say that, like, I know Jesse's been critical in the past, but this has been a very, um, this sort of shows the intellectual integrity that Jesse and Brittany show consistently. Also, may I make a quick plug? or not plug, but programming suggestion. Uh, I love that you've expanded into your reply videos to include Candace Owen. Can I please, please push you to look into making, maybe making at least one for Megan McCain? There's just so much good material there, and I think it really needs it. All right, that's all I got. Cheers, guys. Bye. Megan McCain, huh? I don't know if I have it in me. Hmm. Well, I didn't even... We'll address the other stuff. By the way, you don't have to speak fawningly of Brittany P. and myself to get a voicemail played, but we... Although it helps a little well, bit. Well, here's... here, Here's, I think... <laughs> After you played it. No, no. We're, we're going to play the entire voicemail, and then we're going to be like, you definitely don't need to call in and say <laughs> that. <laughs> That's not the way you get on this show. Right. But it kind of is. I, I think No, it is absolutely not. But I think... There's a distinction that gets drawn is because Ian and I don't agree mm-hmm. on a ton. Mm-hmm. Ian's far more left wing than I am. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he's one of those pinko commie hates America kind of guys. And I'm, a, you know, an upright. Right now, there's a flag waving behind me slowly. Yeah. And again, that that can you hear it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Your presence is just dripping with patriotism. Yeah, I'm just, yeah. you know, I'm an American Right. And, you know, Ian, he wants to he wants to get close to he that. He hates America. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I, you know, I think that when when minds who differ on policy oftentimes can come together and agree on one thing. For me, sometimes that means, well, wow, that must that must be the right. 
you know, it's when you know, it, the the extreme left is is out of control, the extreme right's out of control. Somewhere in the middle is right. For me, that's kind of where the somewhere in the middle is is when a guy like Ian who 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 holds to pretty lefty type of policy. Anyway, I think I've explained it. So. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I do want to say, though, because Ilhan Omar is also being attacked for her comments about 9-11. Yeah, come on. And what th- this is, it's comical, right? Because Kind of in step with what Ian is saying, that the Republicans are <laughs> using this to, again, fuel their fake outrage machine. Donald Trump is retweeting videos about how we'll never forget 9-11, right? Right. When he, w- he like, called into a radio show, you remember this? On yes. 9-11. Yes. And talked about how his building was now the tallest building. Was now the tallest building I mean, we're, we're talking when people... Or in that area of Manhattan. Yeah, we're talking in the same exact time frame that people are throwing themselves out windows and free-falling to their death yeah. and of, out of a fiery building that the now president of the United States was calling in and talking about how his building was the tallest building now. And he's going to... Yeah. He's going to act like he gives a shit about this. Right. And Republicans are going to act like they give a shit about this. Well, the, the other thing is, well, one, I don't think she's doing herself any, you know, to, to lay on a little bit of criticism. She's not doing herself any favors when talking about a, a seminal event in American history by saying some people did some stuff. That is stupid. But I don't believe it lends itself to the degree of of sinisterness that they act like it does. Right. I, it's just her trying... If you, you got to take it in context, what she's saying is because that's what she said about nine eleven that some people some people did some things. She means those are just a, a small group of fanatics within this religion. You can't paint the entire religion with this with this uh, extremist brush because of what nineteen assholes did. Right. She was talking about when CARE was founded. The um, Council, Council on, on American Islamic Relations, yes. and it's a Muslim civil rights organization. And she, this was the quote, quote, for far too long, we have lived with the discomfort of being a second class citizen. And frankly, I'm tired of it. And every single Muslim in this country should be tired of it. Care was founded after 9-11 because they recognized that some people did something and that all of us were starting to lose access to our civil liberty, civil liberties. Yeah. End quote. So she, she's trying to draw a distinction between the terrorists, right? J- just disregarding them as some people and yeah. trying to distinguish them between Muslims as a whole. Right. No, now, I would agree. I would disagree with that sentiment that I think that that uh, just as Christians with this white nationalist Christianity that is so prevalent right now, the same kind that, you know, Sarah Palin is a part of and all these, you know, these assholes they're just as responsible. Mainstream Christianity is just as responsible to call them out and say, no, that is not what we believe. They're just as responsible as mainstream Islam is to say, hey, man, that's not us. We're against that. That's not what we believe. They're bastardizing the faith. So if you're going to criticize, if you're going to be that type that says, we're regular, we're mainstream Muslims when this goes down, they need to be talking. You're right. I believe they do, just like I believe Christians need to, with the far more prevalent and dangerous to every one of our individual lives threat that is white supremacy, which is rooted in Christianity. 
that goes all the way back to slave days. If you believe that the slaves were not converted to Christianity as a way to mellow them, as a way to control them, to lull them into submission, you are out of your fucking mind. Christianity was used as a weapon against those African kidnap victims. So I, I just want to go back to... I kind of went off a little crazy. Uh, the fact that I, I will agree that unfortunately she's in a position where she needs to be very careful yeah. right because anything yeah. that she says can be taken out of context no, I, i'm not saying she's to blame i'm saying she's not doing herself any favors yeah 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 and i i want to be careful i guess with what i just said as well because i don't think anything that she says can be taken out of context right unfortunately given the position that she is in she needs to just be very careful and a little bit forward thinking in terms of what types of phrasing of certain things yeah, yeah. will get her into trouble here and uh it's really hard to do when you're a public figure and you're talking a lot well i think i think also and this might be unpopular whatever um when you're used to talking casually with your in-group you might say things that you you need that you don't necessarily need to check yourself about like something like that something like the the dual loyalty allegiance kind of a thing that might fly inside of your end group. But when you're starting to talk to a larger constituency into a nation, eh, it's not going to play as easy. It's not going to play as well. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know if that, uh, that has any validity or not. It's just a, a thing that came into my head and I often just let it go. Mm. <laughs> so the other thing is this Candace Owens thing. Like, I don't want to make that a regular thing, it just got so much heat and so much traction, her saying that the Southern strategy was a myth, when it is so obviously not. That group, that Turning Points USA, wants to re this revisionist bullshit take on history is, it needs to be countered. Even with something as obvious. When you, I laid out the maps in that YouTube video, every general election since 1900. I mean, the the data are there. The, the quote from Lee Atwater is, is I'm not going to get into it. You can watch the video. Again, what's going on with me? So we have an email. We, we have, and also, I tell you what, Ian, Team Ian. I am, send you a script? Yeah, I'm taking submissions. You see something Megan McCain says? Send me your best 500 words, brother, and I'll send you a copyright release. Mm. And uh, we'll see how that goes. All right. <laughs> The gauntlet has been laid down. So we have an email from Paul. Dear Jesse and Brittany, my name is Paul, and I wanted to share a story that is in similar vein to the straight white men have it hard story from episode 503. I am an African-American LDS member who lives in Salt Lake City. I moved from Kansas City a few years ago. Shout out to my fellow Kansans. Kansans. All right. A guy from back home commented on an article that saying Mormon is more offensive than the N-word. Ugh. This hit a nerve with me. I told him to fuck off with that. And <laughs> how dare he compare the name of the church to the N-word? He doubled down and said Mormons are more persecuted than blacks. Oh, wow. The sheer audacity oh, floored this, me. This is the email with the Twitter uh, screenshots. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the sheer audacity floored me and made me angry and sad that people believe this nonsense. I attached some of the conversation for context. I have since removed this person from my life and have told everyone who we know mutually how much of a dumbass he is. 
Thanks for all you do. Brittany is the best part. Paul in Salt Lake. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. Paul. Well, first and foremost, I would love to know about how someone rationalizes. And I'm not attacking you here, Paul. But I'm genuinely um, curious how a black man, an African-American in, in, in this country, can be a member of the Latter-day Saints, of the Mormons, which, by the way, I grew up in more per capita. There's more Mormons per capita in Boise than there are in Salt Lake City, and they call themselves Mormons. It's, it's not pejorative. Actually, yes, they are changing. Oh, they're, oh, they're changing that, too. Right, they don't want you using that term anymore. Oh. Right. This is this was like an announcement Another a few weeks ago. Jesus called on the bat phone. I don't know if this was revelation from God, but they just that that's something that they kind of want to have people stop saying. That's a new thing. It is a new thing. Okay. Yeah. But it's always been not great to say Mormon. I remember going to school. I've ne- never, never heard that until very recently. Well, so I I went to a high school where there was a a church within walking distance and the Mormon kids would walk to it. They would have a special class during high school. Yeah. Right. In Idaho, most high schools have a seminary across the street where high school kids, they take an elective and then they go to the church to have a class and get credit for it. Yes, that is correct. And don't worry about separation in church and state, everybody. And no big deal. So I, I remember even then that Mormon was, it wasn't a pejorative, but it was, not the best word to use hmm. to de- to describe that. So anyway, new it is a new thing. Yes. So what what I would like to know mm-hmm. is how how Paul rationalizes all of the you know in 1977 Paul would not have been allowed to be to have the priesthood to have any authority in the church whatsoever because of the color of his skin, and then in 1978. All of a sudden, it's okay, and I don't know. I, that just baffles me, and it, it, I have the same feelings about people who are gay who also are Christians. That 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 just blows my like Pete Buttigieg going on Ellen and saying, "Well, that's just not that way I read scripture or hear scripture or whatever." Uh, anyway, I, it perplexes me, and I like to have things explained that make me very confused. Just um, a little uh, kind of Debbie Downer uh, statistics here. <laughs> Utah, it would be best to play it after I Mm. read the stats, but Utah consistently ranks top three in suicide among 10 to 17-year-olds, according to the Centers for Disease Control, and suicide is now the leading cause of death in Utah for that age group. Wow. Mm -hmm. And And what's the difference between Utah and California? Or another rural state like Wyoming. Well, there was a really... The Mormon church. There was a really well-written article in the Wall Street Journal. Uh, The title is, One Teenager Killed Himself, Six More Followed. And they talk about this specific town, the specific community, and the influence of the church on the young people in that community. And... It's, it's really fascinating, and they reference some research from a sociologist in there as well, um, and she has studied what is called these suicide clusters, where it is kind of a copycat situation where one oh, person yeah. will kill themselves yeah. and then another person will kill themselves. You saw it in Parkland with the teenager who died by suicide, yeah. and then uh, the other teenager that died by suicide, and the Sandy Hook father that, who died by suicide, and... 
I I found the article really fascinating. It's a really sad, tough topic to talk about. Uh, I think a lot of people think maybe people shouldn't talk about it, right? That it should be something that is more hush. Experts hush, say that's right? the worst thing to do. That you, especially about suicide, you should hit it straight on. Hey, have you ever thought about killing? You, you ask. You just be very direct about it. Right. Yeah. For sure. And if you think about it, that really makes the most sense, especially in terms of these young people who are losing their friends, who may be very confused about what's going on, and then people are being silent about it, and it seems like this really stigmatized, shameful thing. Right. It adds to the to the prospect of shame. Yeah. That, oh, we can't even talk about it. Holy shit! This is super shameful. Right. And so how how does that encourage somebody who may be suffering? to come forward and say hey i'm suffering i need some help um you know it's it's not great but while we're on this note you may have noticed that i was using the phrase died by suicide and um researchers are saying that this is actually the best phrase and that we should retire the phrase committed suicide and this is because died by suicide sends the message that the death is caused by a mental health condition. Something that happened to them, not something they did to themselves. Yes, and it's right. something that we we need to talk more about in terms of illness. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, not like a sinful, kind of archaic way of framing the conversation. In right. a puritanical, sinful, kind of religiously because based... D- didn't the Mormon church also just coincidentally enough in the in the in the aftermath of all of this news and all of these suicides within the church and their communities are being just ravaged by it didn't also god just decided that you can go to heaven to the highest celestial level of heaven after having committed suicide which didn't used to be the the policy or the the you know god didn't used to believe that but now god believes that because you know so, god who can see behind and ahead so, changed his mind so i don't know when it happened but this wall street journal article does reference that previously within the church suicide was considered a serious sin now church officials say that it, it is possible for right. people who have died by suicide to go to the celestial kingdom which like you said is the highest realm uh, after death in the mormon church i think there's three levels I think there's three levels. Well, according to this article, that's the highest one. Yeah. So I'm just the celestial, the telestial, and the terrestrial. That's what they're called. There you go. Yeah. So anyway, Paul, God, we just totally sidetracked your shit. Um, That for that dude, it it really just shows just how out of touch someone is to get to the point of the call to say that to call someone Mormon who's a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints is more of a pejorative and more hurtful and harmful than calling someone the N-word. Uh, I, look, I'm not going to make a judgment call about you cutting that person out of your life, but I will say this. You're smarter for it because you don't want to take the chance that that kind of stupid's going to rub off on you because <laughs> that's just a God. That's goddamn stupid. Really, really stupid. I also want to say, I don't, for some reason I'm feeling uncomfortable after the conversation that we just had and i i hope that uh people don't don't think that uh well they can think that you were being shitty but i hope that they don't think i was being shitty um is that not funny no well no i'm i i think i take that on if you want to think i'm being shitty you you got it right okay i'm contemptuous of 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 the mormon faith not of mormons yeah i'm contemptuous of it so 
yeah, you know, just the, like I am, many strains of Christianity. So the implications, but not it's not Brittany, it's so, Jesse. So the implications of some of that research related to the high suicide rates is, according to one sociologist reference in the article, related to culture that is very rigid in their views of what is good and bad. Uh, what a good kid looks like and what a bad kid looks like or a disappointing kid. Yeah. A lot of ideas surrounding perfectionism and toxic ideas of perfectionism. So a lot of the pressures that kids are under these days, particularly in religious communities, um, to be perfect, be yeah. spiritual, do the right thing, uh, be... You know. exemplary like over the top exemplary yeah that that is there's not a lot of room for accepting who we are as people which is flawed yeah no that's great and so moving toward more of a place of acceptance i think is important and hopefully we we try to do some of that on on the show are you saying i should accept more of the no i was really just saying that I, I hope that that is something that everyone kind of thinks about that that acceptance should be very important and if if you are a member of an organization that claims to be accepting but isn't actually supporting that in the way that they should then that has negative ramifications real life negative ramifications yeah. and it's time to evaluate what your priorities are listen that's what i would say if you've got a child who fears coming to you to let them know, hey, I'm gay. I was born gay. And they're so afraid that you're not going to love them or they're going to be ostracized. So afraid that they drive to a remote area, put a gun in their mouth and kill themselves. Something's wrong with fucking you, not your kid. And if you, li you live and exist within an organization that promulgates that type of shame and you don't do something about it, you're part of the problem. And that goes for Mormons, that goes for Southern Baptists, that goes for whatever whatever mythical system you work, uh, the framework you live under. There are real world implications to your fairy tales. Kids die. That's all I'm saying. So if that, look, if that's, if that's being a dick or whatever, I'll own it. In the meantime, we'd love to hear from you about this or any other thing. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email voice memos from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. I, I just I want to say another thing because I feel like this happens a lot where... You get blamed for the shit I say? No, but even, even right now, it feels unintentionally pitting us against each other. Mm. And... That's not the way that I'm trying to frame it either. Um, although there are other reasons that I'm not as radical as you. <laughs> um, I don't want to get into that right now. But anyway, so <laughs> I listened to a podcast with Rutger Bregman. The, um, the I think he's an economist. I don't know. He went viral at Davos. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know you're talking about. about the rich people The guy who taxes. went on Tucker and Tucker didn't play it and... Right. He released the audio of the interview. Right, yeah. him, yeah. And he was on, sometimes I listen to the Intelligence Squared podcast. It's typically a debate about an issue, but sometimes they interview somebody and then just release it as a podcast, and they, they did that with him. And I really liked something that he said. So he was talking about how 
he could go out in the world and he could be like, you know, yeah, I'm a communist and I write for Jacobin magazine or whatever that website is and that his friends would love him. Right. But that he wouldn't be able to convince anybody. Okay. And this is what he said, quote, I really want to convince people. There was this wonderful book written a couple of years ago by Rebecca Solnit called Hope in the Dark, one of my favorite books. And there is one line in there I always remember. She says, there is a certain kind of activism that cares more about being right than about achieving results. And I don't want to be that guy. And so he talked about how he frames his arguments in terms of wanting to actually convince people and win people over and not necessarily shame people or uh, make them feel like they need to be defensive. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I found that thought very inspirational and I find it difficult many times, you know, I'm listening to the news and I start raging and you heard it a little bit when I was talking about Donald Trump tweeting the nine 11 video. I get very angry. I get very upset, but then I try to come around to this place of, do I want people who maybe don't agree with me and don't really like my Facebook posts? Do I want them to stick around and keep reading what I write or what I post so that maybe eventually down the line, maybe some of those walls will be broken down and you know what I mean? Yeah, I I do. No, listen, that is the best way to be. And I think, I don't know if I just landed on what it is. Here's the difference. And it's it's not going to be shitting on you. It's going to be shitting on me. The difference between us is you're way better. And you know this just in life in general. You're way better at delayed gratification. Delaying gratification. And I'm way quicker to want it right now. You know what I mean? And for me, it feels very good to sit up on my the moral high ground. And it is. It fucking is the moral high ground. And to look down and say, fuck you, you're to blame, get your shit together. It feels real good. Also, that's my training coming from, you know, an orthodoxy of of the religious right. But it's not as effective at changing hearts and minds. Of course not. It sends people retreating. It sends people digging their heels in. Oh, yeah, I'm not fucking wrong. So you're, you're for sure right. It just doesn't feel as good. And maybe that's that's the the crux of my problem. Yeah. So I didn't want this to turn into a long drawn out thing, but I just think what happens is sometimes we're pit against one another. As you though, and me on the show. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, I'm more of like Jesse with the firebrand, and oh, I'm more like Brittany with whatever. And I don't think that that is necessarily <laughs> correct. I don't think it's correct at all. Um. Anytime. I mean, I don't agree sometimes with your phrasing about things, and it makes me a little uncomfortable, especially with the fact that I have a professional job, and yeah. uh, sometimes you get a little radical, and I get uncomfortable, but then I have to remind myself, I'm not saying those things. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> those aren't coming out of my mouth. That is right. <laughs> Disclaimer, please. <laughs> <laughs> Views and opinions expressed by Jesse Dollarmore are solely those of Jesse Dollarmore and do not reflect the views and opinions of Brittany Page, who is a far superior person and much more measured and reasonable in her views and analysis.
Also, if we're being honest, I, I think just generally speaking, more people should be more comfortable talking about these important issues. Uh, you know, politics and religion are still something that we're not allowed to talk about in polite situations. That's right. right? Yeah. And that's wrong. It really led to a culture of people not knowing how to reason, um, being biased, retreating into their circles and surrounding themselves with only people who agree with them. And then they're never challenged. And then they don't know what to do when they're challenged. And the whole thing just keeps on being a perpetual cycle of hell. It's a weird fucking thing. Like even like it's considered in some circles inappropriate to even ask for whom you voted. Right. Who'd you vote for? What? That's like asking how many people I killed at war. Someone said that to you, didn't they? I don't think so. (laughs) That's familiar to me. No, that was my ex-boyfriend who was Mormon. Oh, how many people did you convert? And when he got back from his mission, (laughs) yeah, I said, how many people did you convert while on your mission? And he said, that's like asking how many people you killed at war. See, that's how connected to Mormons we are. Which, by the way... Brittany dated him. Her best friend's a Mormon. Which, by the way, that means he didn't convert very many. (laughs) Otherwise, he would have been like, hundreds, I was out there living it up. (laughs) Right? Converting everybody. Oh, yeah. I was like the Rambo of Mormon (laughs) conversion. (laughs) Apparently not. (laughs) All right, we'll be right back. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash idoubtitwithdollamore. We have some lovely humans who have edited their pledges and mm. raised them up. We have Catherine. Raising the roof, Catherine. Liz. Liz. And we give a special shout out to Liz because Liz has enriched my life to such a great degree with a Spotify subscription. Yeah, you're part of like the family account. I am. And Liz, thank you so much. Again, I know I thank you a lot, but I really appreciate it. Can I say, Liz, thank you. Um... You're the reason, Liz, that we're not able to lower our cell phone plan. We can't. We can't go. We can't go to a different uh, data usage because we're not. we're grandfathered in with unlimited data and unlimited text. Right. And we can't leave that now because no. Brittany uses so much data mm-hmm. using Spotify. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that it's uh, it would be financially untenable. Well, and I got burned <laughs> because we actually went to lower our bill because it's quite expensive, the phone bill. Over 200 bucks, right? 230 or something? We don't need to give an amount, but it's an expensive <laughs> phone bill for two phones. I mean, it's, it's, it's something I don't like. And so I went in and I'm like, this is ridiculous. I know people who pay like half this, this has to be fixed. And they showed us how much data we're using per line. And one of them was substantially higher. And I looked at you and I'm like, well, what do you think? What is going on? Like, what are you doing on your phone? And they were like, no, that's your line. And I said, oh, it was the best. Never mind. It was the best. Anyway, Jan. Oh, Jan. We have more. Jan doubled her pledge. That is awesome. And then, oh, Carissa. Carissa raised her pledge as well. Beautiful. And so we have new Patreon supporters as well. Wayne. Wayne. Another Wayne. I don't know if we can handle more than one Wayne. <laughs> uh Brava. S- Steven. Steven. Patrick. Patrick. And Raimundo. Raimundo. Yes. Very 
Very good. We, we listen. We love you guys. We appreciate the loyalty, the the looking out for us, the helping us keep the lights on. Just the general support of the show is is much much appreciated. So one of the things that Patreon recommended for us to grow our Patreon audience is to do kind of a limited time reward and invite people if they become a Patreon supporter within this certain amount of time, they get like a special reward that isn't listed on there. And we're thinking about doing. Doing that with a raccoon logo sticker. Yeah, yeah. And if that is something you would be interested in, please let us know because we think it's funny because of all the raccoon talk. Right. Uh, but if it isn't funny, then we should know that. Well, also, we, you and I have talked about it. We've been hesitant. But Patreon, the people at Patreon, they reassure us that your audience doesn't care because the limited time offer is for new patrons. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't, it wouldn't be something we would distribute to everybody. It would just be like for like a, like, hey, like a promotion kind of a thing. Yes. Like a, hey, I don't know why I'm doing that. But mm-hmm. anyway, um, we're always looking for new ways to, yes. to, to grow the, 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 the Patreon family. And uh, I think that might be a, that might be a way to do it. So if you have suggestions for us, please let us know. Also, like Jesse said, I'm going to guilt you again. If you haven't written into the show, if you haven't actively participated in moving the conversation forward, we would love to hear from you. 657-464-7609. I doubt it at dollamore.com. Put it in your phone. Put the contact info in there. I doubt it with Dollamore Podcast. You can just open it up and call us and vent to us when you feel like saying something. Uh, send off a, an email. Don't make it too angry. And we would love to hear from you. Dollamocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So what's the... Uh What's the opposite of of tooting your own horn, Brittany Mm. Page? I need to know what the the opposite of tooting your own horn is, because that is what I need to do right now. I think it's that Debbie Downer horn that you played earlier. You think this is it? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Or or is it more like this? Douche chill. (laughs) Um, That could be it as well. Being a guy who's quick to say, oh, hey, I predicted that. I was, I mean, we've started doing it kind of as a joke. In my real existence, that is not something I do because that is, that would be ridiculous. But um, I need to not really apologize, but really just come clean and say I was wrong about something. I did it in the video that posted today on YouTube. But, and I'm also just because it's, you know, part of my personality, I'm a drag Marcus from North Carolina in on this too. Because mm. I do believe Marcus was in agreement with me. In <laughs> fact, I think Marcus praised me for like, yeah, you know, I think Jesse's right about this and he's really smart and is the best. Actually, what I remember is before we went hot with the mics, Marcus actually fed us a few talking points. Oh, and about how much he loved Bill Barr. Yeah, we kind of just yeah. went with it. Because, I remember that. Yeah, we were like, oh, he's guest hosting. and I you think know. he said, I'm not going to do the show right. unless you guys take on this. So actually, I'm not wrong. I just was just saying what Marcus It was said. also really weird because he demanded that we Skype with him with the video on because he had a cardboard cutout of Bill Barr behind that him the whole right. time. Yep. And we kept thinking, this is kind of weird. I wondered where he got the rubber Halloween Bill Barr mask yeah. when he hadn't even been confirmed yet I to mean, be the, the Attorney General. It was tremendous, as someone might say. <laughs> Truly. 
So anyway, <laughs> um, sorry about that, Marcus. <laughs> sorry, brother. I went a little overboard. Um, I, I was wrong about Bill Barr. So was Marcus. So, and Marcus <laughs> was too. <laughs> <laughs> um, Bill Barr was not an honorable man who, who, or in my judgment, even now, it doesn't like have this reverence for the system and and the honor and the the independence of the Department of Justice. Bill Barr is a fucking Donald Trump shill. Bill Barr is a goddamn embarrassment. His performance on Wednesday before the uh, the Senate Appropriations Committee is a goddamn joke. So let me defend you and Marcos for a minute. I want to say that this is a situation where unless you have evidence to the contrary, what are you supposed to do? Right. right? Benefit of the doubt. And, you know... If you had, so if you had said without any evidence, Bill Barr is in to, you know, rig the system for Donald Trump. He's he's a Donald Trump uh, ally and this is not going to go well. If you had said that without evidence and then you turned out to be right, I don't think that that would have mm. been any better. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because this doesn't make me feel any better, but it's a good point because it's like conspiracy theory territory, right? We want to make sure our beliefs are grounded in reality. Yeah. And if we don't have evidence for something, you know, it's, it's yeah. what's most likely. And at the time, given what you knew, it seemed unlikely yeah. that, that Bill Barr would go down the path that he now is on. And I say that because Bill Barr the other day just outright said he believes, by the way, didn't give a reason, he believes there was spying that occurred on Donald Trump's campaign during the 2016 election. News just broke today that you have a special team looking into why the FBI opened an investigation into Russian interference in the 2016 elections. I wonder if you can share with this committee who's on that team why you felt a need to form that kind of a team and what you intend to be the scope of their investigation. Yeah, I, uh, as I said in my confirmation hearing, uh, I am going to be reviewing uh, both the genesis and the conduct of intelligence activities directed uh, at the, the Trump campaign. That little flub right there tells you where his fucking head is. The surveillance activity that was directed against Donald Trump. That's the word he was going to use. He stopped himself because he's a lawyer and he knows the, the ramification and the definitions at Donald Trump's campaign. Not against. That's something I didn't get into in the video. But that's a big deal to me. It tells you what his motivation is. It tells you where his head is during 2016 uh, and uh, a lot has already been a lot of this has already been investigated and a substantial portion of it has been investigated and is being investigated by uh, the office of uh, inspector general that's another great point he's doing the job he's doing my job for me this has already been investigated Conclusions have already been drawn. We know why the investigation was started. We know what it was predicated upon. That George Papadopoulos is running his drunken fucking mouth to some Australian ambassador. That Carter Page for months and months and months had been considered 
uh, an unwitting or otherwise Russian agent. That the surveillance, the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act judges, the Republican appointed Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act judges, all gave a thumbs up. This, this wasn't some fucking thing to get Donald Trump. This was something to look out for the union. This was something to look out for the republic. That John McCain, when he got that Steele dossier, he read it, he's like, holy shit. This Michael Steele's a reputable character. What's the good thing to do? What's the right thing to do? What's the American patriotic thing to do? I'm going to turn this over to the FBI because who fucking knows? They will go through and do the due diligence to find out whether it's true or not. There were a thousand points of light that still make it hard for me to believe that no collusion was found. Knowing everything we knew, it's still tough to believe. Come on, Bill Barr. At the department. Uh, but one of the things I want to do is pull together all the information from the various investigations that have gone on, including on the Hill uh, and in the department, and uh, see if there are any remaining questions uh, to be addressed. And can you share with us why you feel a need to do that? Well, uh, you know, for the same well, for the same reason, we're worried about foreign uh, influence in elections. We want to make sure that. Uh, during an election, I, I think spying on a. Before he gets to the spying comment, let's address that. He's comparing right now the FBI, the CIA, the NSA, the D Department of Justice in general, the higher upper echelon. He's comparing them to a, the, the, the activities of a ho foreign hostile power like Russia, influencing our election, poisoning our democracy. He's comparing those American organizations and agencies to Russia. And this is the Attorney General of the United States of America, confirmed by the Senate, nominated, clearly we understand why, but nominated by Donald goddamn Trump, who has no respect for the institutions of our government. Political campaign is a big deal. It's a big deal. Uh, generation I grew up in, which was the Vietnam War uh, period, you know, people were all concerned about spying on uh, anti-war people and so forth by the government. And there were a lot of rules put in place to make sure that there's an adequate basis before before our law enforcement agencies get involved in poli you know, political uh, surveillance. I'm not suggesting that uh, those rules were violated, but I think it's important to look at that. And I'm not just I'm not talking about the FBI uh, necessarily, but intelligence agencies more broadly. So you're not you're not suggesting though that spying occurred. I don't, uh, well, uh, I guess you could, I, I think there's a spying did occur. Yes, I think spying did occur. That is the sound of a bomb dropping on Washington. That is the sound of an attorney general doing the bidding, the political bidding of a miscreant president. That's fucking unbelievable. What's more unbelievable is this next clip where the chairman of the committee says, but where, where are you getting that? What, what leads you to believe that? You can't just say that 
and then not give any clues that you have any information. And that's exactly what Bill Barr does. Uh, what is the basis for reaching that conclusion or a belief that something like that occurred? And what are the consequences for those who uh, committed unauthorizing, un unauthorized surveillance? Um, did you say that I s said that it occurred? Uh, you indicated, uh, I think I, I tried to at least reflect on what your quote was, that you thought spying on a political campaign occurred in the course of an intelligence agency's investigation into Russian interference in 2016. Well, I thought the question was, uh, did I have any basis for saying And I'm now asking what the basis is or what the facts are that lead you to that thought. Uh, okay, I, I felt I am concerned about it, and I was asked about whether there was any basis for it, and I believe there is a basis for my concern, but I'm not going to discuss the basis. But I'm not going to discuss the basis, period. That's not an ellipsis there, and he continues. He does continue, but it's not about that. I don't, listen, I assume I know how the rest of the audience feels, but... I, how is it that, that, that people don't believe the fix is in here? And I'm not speaking conspiratorially relative to some grand conspiracy, but Donald Trump got this guy confirmed, nominated this guy to be the, the, the attorney general after having read his 18-page or however long screed denouncing the, the viability of an obstruction of justice investigation into a president of the United States who sits. and. Um, this is worse than this is worse behavior than I ever could have imagined. Jeff fucking Sessions didn't act like this. What does that that just came to me? <laughs> that that uh, I say I say uh, Jeff Sessions recused himself. He he did the proper thing. <laughs> and then you have Bill Barr, the Attorney Fucking General of this country. Spreading conspiracy theories, giving new wind into the sails of Donald Trump's tweets. Because now this is what he's tweeting about. Mm -hmm. Oh, the wiretap me. Get the fuck out of here. So I don't know if I'm apologizing or just coming clean. I was fucking wrong. Definitely wrong. Douche chill. So next time I, I play the toot horns, the tooting of the horns, it's going to be a uh, a little over the top because I need to make up for lost time, I think. Well, I do just want to say that I like that we're talking about when we're wrong, though, because a lot of people don't and it feels uncomfortable to acknowledge that. But we're wrong a lot of the time. And it is important that we we're acknowledge wrong some of the time. Don't say a lot. No, I'm not. Well, I'm not time. talking about us oh, specifically. Just people just, in general. Yeah, human beings. <laughs> and we should acknowledge it more. Yeah, for sure. When we change our mind, when we. You know, when we get new information, when we learn something new, we should not feel so vulnerable so as to not be able to admit these things. Mm -hmm. Is he is he fucking listening to himself yeah, right now? Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. That wasn't the clip I was going for, but I guess it plays. Mm. It plays real good. All right. Slow it real. down. Slow it down with the clips. All I can, right, I can right. tell when you get in these moods. You're you're over there with the mouse. You're hovering on the different ones, and your face is like you lighting up. You don't know up. what I'm doing. Yeah, it's like you, you don't just... know what goes on over here on this side of the table. All right, you have anyway. no fucking idea. So don't make me get up on moral righteous mountain and fire down the lightning bolts of 
of juicy righteousness upon you, Brittany Page. What's the next topic? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Apparently, wonderful citizen uh, Julian Assange has uh, been arrested. That breaking news, WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange arrested in London. After seven years of asylum in the Ecuadorian embassy, the Ecuadorian government released Assange to British authorities, and he could now face charges in the U.S. ABC's David Wright starts us off from London. Good morning, David. Good morning, George. Julian Assange is now inside this magistrate's court here in London, getting ready for the first of what's likely to be many court hearings in his case. Uh, The official charge from U.S. authorities in an indictment unsealed this morning that he conspired with Chelsea Manning to hack computers and publish classified documents and data uh, related to the U.S. war effort in Iraq and Afghanistan. Chelsea Manning went to jail for those charges until he, she was eventually pardoned by President Obama. Now it's Julian Assange's turn. For the past seven years, he's been holed up inside the Ecuadorian embassy here in London under the protection of the embassy. He sought asylum, was ultimately granted citizenship, but the new government of Ecuador abruptly withdrew its protection of Assange this morning, inviting British authorities in, and they frog-marched him out. And you saw Assange resisting there. WikiLeaks has already put out a tweet saying his rights must be protected. And that's being echoed by the Kremlin. (laughs) That's right, George. Russian President Vladimir Putin tweeted this morning that he hopes that Assange's rights will be protected moving forward. Uh, The British Foreign Secretary said that he will get his day in court and that, uh, as he put it, Assange is not a hero, uh, that it is right for him to face justice for these alleged crimes. Now, uh, he's likely to face a number of court hearings uh, inside this courthouse before it's determined what will become of him, Uh, not least because here in Britain and across the European Union, they do not have the death penalty. If there's even a possibility that Assange could face the death penalty back in the U.S., that would pose a significant barrier to his extradition. In any case, uh, any possible extradition proceeding is also subject to appeal. Appeal not just within the British courts, but also within the European courts of human rights. So it is likely that this process is going to take some time. But today, after seven long years, this case is now finally moving forward. George? David Wright, thanks very much. I just want to highlight what happened there. So in that clip, you you heard them delivering the news about Julian Assange. And then you also heard them giving the context surrounding his arrest. Okay. Yeah. And that's going to play into something that I'm getting ready to talk about, which is the is Julian Assange a journalist wars that happened on social media. Yeah. And it, it seems I mean, does Julian, I took part in it. does Julian Assange even call himself a journalist? Is, does he I call himself know. a journalist? I don't know. I don't know where this is coming from because he he well he's not a journalist, right? I, last I checked, journalists didn't hack the DNC to get into their emails. That's not a journalistic. Uh, well, journalists don't hack anything, right? There's you have rules that you're supposed to follow as a journalist, right. uh, protocols that you follow, um, and he WikiLeaks Julian Assange they steal information, yeah. 
and then they dump Make it. it. That's right. And they don't give any context, and they just dump the information out, right? Um, reporters, journalists, they give context for things. Yeah. They follow protocol. They they get comment from the other side, the people that that that, that are being reported upon. Right. Sometimes, if it can interfere with the safety of something they don't report it right right. so like if the president is visiting troops overseas for example and they know that he's traveling there they won't report that yeah right uh they won't report locations of where soldiers are right there's certain things that they won't do because it compromises safety it's also not common for journalists to be um charged with rape let us not forget that Julian Assange has been charged, has been accused of rape. So I guess I'm just, I'm, I'm, I was confused kind of by this battle going on where it's, you know, he's a, he's a journalist and this is a threat to journalist right. rights. Bullshit. And I, I guess I, I don't know what I'm missing about it. So if someone feels like they could school me on this, I would appreciate the schooling, you know, go ahead uh, and call you're in, in and inviting. Yeah. Only voicemails. We're not, you're not coming on. Yeah. I'm not, well, I'm That's also not reading nonsense. an email. I mean, yeah, you're going to have to do an argument in three minutes, which seems easy if he's a journalist. Um, pretty easy to explain it. Right. right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, if you, if you, if, if I had to explain why Anderson Cooper is a journalist. Yeah. Thirty seconds. I mean, fuck. It would be I could do it easy. in ten seconds. You play five seconds of giggling and like five <laughs> seconds of something part else. Two. Yeah. <laughs> Sold. Right. Anyway. So, listen. I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm again. I'm now. I'm dialing back the radical. Julian Assange is materially part responsible for Donald Trump's ascension to the presidency. Maybe maybe I'm getting ready to jump ahead and be a little radical here. But I believe Heather Heyer would still be alive if Donald Trump wasn't president. So is Julian Assange, is, is Donald Trump responsible? No, not directly responsible. But the atmosphere that was created that ended up he- with Heather Heyer being dead is 100% on Donald Trump. And anyone who helped him get there has a little bit of responsibility. And Julian Assange has a lot of responsibility for Donald Trump being president. So I don't have any fucking sympathy for Julian Assange. Save your fucking tears. And that's for the audience. Save them. Like I said to a friend on Twitter, I hope he fucking dies in jail. All this death penalty talk is nonsense. He needs to be extradited to wherever to face his crimes. He's no journalist. I'll just, I'll end it there. He is no journalist. Anyway, moving to a little bit of funny territory. Brittany's very uncomfortable. Um, Donald Trump was asked about this. God bless the reporter who asked the question. I can't recognize her voice. But asked, hey, uh, Mr. Mr. President, are you still, uh, ba-da, ba-da, you still, uh, you still love WikiLeaks? President, Mr. President, Mr. President, do you still love WikiLeaks? Uh, I know nothing about WikiLeaks. It's not my thing. <laughs> and uh, I know there is something having to do with uh, Julian Assange. I've, I've been seeing what's happened with uh, Assange, and uh, that will be a determination, I would imagine, mostly by the Attorney General, who's doing an excellent job. So he'll be making a, a determination. I know nothing really about him. It's not my, it's not my deal in life. 
What would you like to see happen? What punishment? I don't, I don't really have any opinion. I know the Attorney General uh, will be involved in that, and he'll make a decision. Okay? So does this sound like a guy who it's not his thing? It's not his deal in life? He doesn't, he doesn't know anything about WikiLeaks. Does this sound like that guy? I mean, this WikiLeaks is fascinating. WikiLeaks. I love WikiLeaks. 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 WikiLeaks, right? They want to distract us from WikiLeaks. And, you know, as I was getting off the plane, they were just announcing new WikiLeaks. And I wanted to stay there, but I didn't want to keep you waiting. WikiLeaks. 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 I love reading those WikiLeaks. Boy, that WikiLeaks has done a job on her, hasn't it? We've learned so much from WikiLeaks. These WikiLeaks, 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 the wonder of WikiLeaks, as confirmed just today by WikiLeaks, the WikiLeaks revelations. Oh, we love WikiLeaks. Boy, they have really WikiLeaks. Do you still love WikiLeaks? Uh, I know nothing about WikiLeaks. It's not my thing. Ah, uh, what an embarrassing douche. Am I right? You know, this happens far more than you would think, um, or that it should happen. Yeah. It happens far more than it should, because Aaron Burnett was also interviewing, who was it, Stephen? Oh, the the economist. I can't think of his name. Stephen Moore. That's right. And That's right. she was asking him about the gold standard and his shifting support for the gold standard. And she asks him about it. Um, does he support the gold standard? Is he in favor of the gold standard? Yeah, switching uh, the, the American dollar to be pinned to the, the value of gold. And he says, no, I am not in favor of the gold standard. Right. He goes on and on. And she's like, OK, OK, so I'm going to play something for for you okay and we'll we'll come back and it's a montage of him saying the exact same opposite thing that he vehemently supports over a period of six years yeah yeah okay <laughs> and then they come back and it's pretty awkward yeah but he does say, oh let me explain let me explain yeah, let that, me respond though. to that yeah, yeah right uh i think that the gold standard will certainly be better than what we have now but it needs to be a commodities based blah, 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 blah. we'll pick like 30 commodities blah, 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 blah. And, and so All right, my thing it. is if, you, if it was a genuine change right because we don't want to shame people who change with new information but if it was a genuine change based on new information then the beginning part of the exchange before she played the yeah. proof that part wouldn't have happened. Also, why are you so embarrassed about, if this position is such a noble, decent, reasonable position, then why are you so embarrassed and so running away from it? Why for years and years and years did you stand behind this position as though it was valid? Fucking dipshit. Anyway, um, wow. I'm, I became on fire on this episode, Brittany. Mm-hmm. I don't know what happened. Mm. Maybe I'll calm down when we when we take a little care of some a little biz. Let's do it. Taking care of biz. Katie Porter. Katie Porter. Katie Porter. She is the yes. representative for California's forty fifth congressional district right here the district butts up against ours she's actually the first democrat to be elected to represent that district yeah it's uh it's a katie porter used to be a uci a university of california irvine i believe law professor 
I love I love me some Katie Porter. We know people who uh, shit talked her in her race, uh, shit talked her candidacy to us personally, and uh, I'm so happy she won because she is a champion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's a boss. And a prime example is this exchange that we're going to play for you with J.P. Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon, and he makes I think thirty-one million a year. Thirty-one million dollars a year. And so what Katie Porter does is basically gives him a rundown of what a situation would be for a woman who works at a teller at one of his banks, and how she would manage her money during the month, and then asks this CEO who makes thirty-one million a year to. To help this woman figure out how to deal with her monthly deficit. So where we left off was this woman had, and I apologize, you're going to need to follow orally. She had $2,425 a month. She rents a one-bedroom apartment. She and her daughter sleep together in the same room. In Irvine, California, that average one-bedroom apartment is going to be $1,600. She spends $100 on utilities. Take away the $1,700, and she has net $725. She's like me. She drives a 2008 minivan and has gas. $400 for car expenses and gas. Net $325. The Department of Agriculture says a low-cost food budget, that is ramen noodles, a low food budget is $400. That leaves her $77 in the red. She has a Cricket cell phone, the cheapest cell phone she can get for $40. She's in the red, $117 a month. She has after-school childcare because the bank is open during normal business hours. That's $450 a month. That takes her down to negative $567 per month. My question for you, Mr. Diamond, is how should she manage this budget shortfall while she's working full-time at your bank? I, uh, I don't know that all your numbers are accurate. That number is a start, is it generally a starter job? She is a starting employee. She has a six-year-old child. Okay, and, this is her and, first job. You can get those jobs at a high school, and she may have my job one day. So she, she may, but Mr. Diamond, she doesn't have the ability right now to spend your $31 million. I'm totally sympathetic. She's short 567. What would you suggest she do? I, I don't know. I'd have to think about that. Would you recommend that she take out a J.P. Morgan Chase credit card? and run a deficit? I don't know. I'd have to think about it. Would you recommend that she overdraft at your bank and be charged overdraft fees? I don't know. I'd have to think about it. <laughs> so I know you have a lot of... I'd love of... to call up and have a conversation about uh, financial yeah, affairs and see if we can be helpful. See if you can find a way for her to live on less than the minimum that I've described. Just be helpful. Well, I appreciate your desire to be helpful, but what I'd like you to do is provide a way for families to make ends meet so that little kids who are six years old living in a one-bedroom apartment with their mother aren't going hungry at night because they're $567 short from feeding themselves, clothing them. We allow no money for clothing. We allow no money for school lunches. We allow no money for field trips, no money for medical, no money for prescription drugs, nothing. And she's short $567 already. Mr. Diamond, you know how to spend $31 million a year in salary, and you can't figure out how to make up a $567 a month shortfall. This is a budget problem you cannot solve. This is what we need. And well, we need legislation to follow these kind of moments. 100%. There it is. And yeah. uh, I said 100%. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I think you say 100%, 100% of the time. No, apparently I say it a lot. <laughs> and, uh, this is what we need though. Yeah. And I, I talk about this a lot, 
But I do not think that we should be rewarding people who have come from a place of privilege with positions of power in our society. They cannot relate. Yeah. They will not relate. You hear this guy saying that he doesn't know if he would suggest recommending a credit card for this woman. The answer should be no, Dick. Yeah. That's what that sure. answer yeah. is. Uh, should she overdraft at your bank? And get $35 or $45 overdraft fees. Yeah. Let, you, you don't know? Let me say this. The, in Some of those numbers might not have made sense to you out there in podcast land. If I have any criticism of the numbers she laid out, $1,600 for a one-bedroom apartment in Irvine, California... Where the fuck is she going to find an apartment for only $1,600? So she actually has responded to this because this actually has been criticism that she's received from her constituents where they were actually like, well, where does Patricia live? Because we need to like. Yeah, I couldn't. We couldn't find a one bedroom apartment here. That no, 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 no. So she said that she lowballed that, that it was actually a conservative estimate yeah. in terms of monthly rent. This I would woman, say seventeen to eighteen fifty would be the price of a one bedroom apartment in Irvine, California. This woman that she was referencing wasn't a real person, but kind of just a combination of stories that yeah. she has heard from people that live in her district. So So she wasn't being stretching, extreme, exaggerating with the numbers. No. She was being very conservative. Likely this woman is between eight hundred and a thousand dollars in the red, mm -hmm. which we see all the time. Right. We live this. We live in Orange County. This is expensive mm -hmm. and it's not unique just to Orange County, California. Mm -hmm. There's not a state in the union where you work full time at minimum wage, you can afford a one bedroom apartment. There's not a state in the union if you work at the 825 minimum wage. Well, you know that the median rent in the United States just rose 3.4% um, compared to the year before, and it's it's now $1,535 a month. Wow. And Phoenix was the top here, where the median rent rose 6.7% to 1520 Um Yeah. Yeah. So rents are going up. Rents right. are going up. Yeah. Yeah. We need Congress people like this, representatives like this, who will stand... And look, she's sitting in your stead. I know she only represents the 45th here in Irvine and Mission Viejo and Orange. That's her, her area. But she's standing in the stead for you. We need representatives like this who will, who will hold these assholes. And Jamie Dimon is an asshole. To sit there smugly. I don't know. I'd have to think about it. I don't know. I'd have to think about by, it. By the way, because through it, by admitting that she, you know, saying, oh, yeah, she shouldn't overdraft her account. She shouldn't get a credit card. That is a low key admission that those are predatory toward the poor. Yeah. Overdraft fees. Sure. Predatory for the poor. Yeah. You can't pay your bills. Your bill comes out of your yeah. account. You know who doesn't We're going to screw you over even more. Yeah. Rich people don't overdraft their accounts. You, a, that's a poor people thing. You can't cover your expenses. Well, we're going to entice you with this credit card. You're going to charge it up. And then we're going to charge you 20% on that balance. And yeah. now you're going to be carrying that balance. And now you need to rely on that credit card to make ends meet. Well, how do you think Jamie Dimon earns his $31 million a year? It's off the backs of the poor. So if anyone has an alternative banking solution for people who may be banking with Chase, let us know. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, that would actually be a, a great help. Mm-hmm. A great help, mm. not help. Mm. I don't know what's happening. I do know what's happening. The show is ending, Brittany. We love you guys. We appreciate you. We would love you to join us via a phone call. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. The other way that you can join us is via video chat at the end of every month. If you join Patreon at whatever tier is the qualifier, that is a great time. Drinks are had. Laughs are had. I don't know if any tears have been had yet. I'm sure they Maybe. have with yeah, us. I mean, it's been yeah. so long. Uh, we'd love to have you join us. Just go to dollamore.com. What is it? TeamDollamore.com. That's it. TeamDollamore.com. And it'll redirect you to Patreon where you can peruse the different tiers. Decide if you'd like to. And if you would, we'd be greatly appreciative of it. We love you. We appreciate you. We also love your ratings and reviews. What is happening? I'm falling apart at the seams as the show ends. Rating and reviews on the Apple Podcasts, formerly known as iTunes, that helps us grow the audience and get in front of new, new people. You guys are the best. We love you. We'll see you next time. For Ricky Page, I am Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt It. That's not the way you get on this show. Right. But it kind of is. <laughs>